3: On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, can the Toronto Raptors actually improve their offense with the pieces they have on hand? We will dig into that question, a very important question, as the Raptors look to rise up the Eastern Conference once again. And we'll do it with Louis Zatzman of Raptors Republic. That's all coming up in just one second here on Locked On Raptors. Thanks for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot, trying to miss. So.
1: You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network
3: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1251 of Lockdown Raptors for Thursday, September the 29th, coming at you a little later than usual, but that's just because we had to work around the schedule of our esteemed guest, and that's perfectly alright in my books, baby! Uh, I'm, of course, your host, Sean Woodley, of the brand new Substack newsletter, Post Touches, a Toronto Raptors blog. Please go subscribe, link down in the episode description if you are so inclined, and you can also read my stuff over, you know, my old archives at Raptors HQ, if you want to do that, but I don't work for them no more. And I'm working on ironing that part of the intro of the podcast because my brain has been wired for seven years to say the same thing. Either way... Thank you so much for being here. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on all your favorite podcast apps. You can also go to YouTube and hit the big red subscribe button over there, and you are forever my best friend. Uh, Thousands of best friends. That's what the internet's all about, right? If you go and subscribe the button, uh, hit the subscribe button over there. It's much appreciated, and it's appreciated if you make us your first listen of the day, which I know you do, even when we don't drop an episode until later in the evening. All right. That's a long intro. Let's get to it. On today's show, we're talking about the Raptors' offense. This was a topic of conversation on Media Day. Nick Nurse talking about how we'd love to see the Raptors kind of get back a little bit to a less suboptimal uh, shot distribution, which has kind of been the way of the Raptors for a little while here. And joining me to talk about whether the Raptors can actually do that is Louis Statsman of Raptors Republic. Louis, how are you, my friend? I'm wonderful. Thank you.
2: Congratulations, by the way, on post-touches.
3: Thank you. Very, 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 uh, very happy. Why are you congratulating me? I just went to a site and just pressed a button, and then there was like, "Yeah, you have a site now." Uh, I didn't do anything, but thank you.
2: <laughs> because I'm jazzed that I still get to read your writing. That's the
3: hey, that's the Louis Jazdman. That's uh, that's your that's your <laughs> that's your Utah jazz blogger pen name, isn't it? Uh, all right, let's stop with the nonsense, shall we? Let's talk about the Raptors' offense, which uh, I guess is sometimes nonsense because of the sort of gimmicky way in which they've played it in recent years, particularly last year. Um, Lewis, let's just kind of start off building off of the media day thing with Nick Nurse talking about how that was going to be a focus, you know, trying to get to the rim, trying to amp up the free throw rate. I asked this to Vivek Jacob on Monday's podcast, kind of breaking down media day, but I want to get your thoughts. Do you think it's possible for the Raptors, with the current people they have on hand, to, in fact be at-rim and free-throw team. Like, they were not good at yeah. this last year. They were 24th in free-throw rate, 26th in getting to the rim percentage per clean-the-glass. Not excellent, and they still managed to be a middle, of, a middle of the road offense because of all the gimmicky stuff in transition that they did in concert with their not-so-good half-court offense and weird shot distribution. Do you think they have it in them with a pretty much identical cast plus Otto Porter Jr. coming back to change their shot chart in a? meaningful and tangible way
2: yeah really to me uh and it will change obviously but to me right now that's the most important question of the season you know for for present success there's more important questions for future success but um i think you have to ask yourself who on the roster is going to get to the rim from with the ball Right? Yeah. there's a lot of cutters scotty's a cutter boucher's a cutter thad's a you know the lots of guys who can cut and you'll get you know two or three cuts a game but two or three is not gonna make up a you know an at the rim offense so who can just get there with the ball like jalen brown style mm-hmm. pascal Siakum, amazing Yeah, one of the five best or so like statistically not just um subjectively uh drivers in the league last year in terms of really high volume really good efficiency uh, comparable to Luka Doncic, um, which is insane. Uh, after <laughs> Pascal
3: Siakam's season last year. Pretty good, as it turns pretty out. Pretty <laughs> good. Um, after that, it's a question
2: mark. And that's one guy. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't build that off of one guy. Sure. And so Pascal can get there. He can dish the ball when they step up to stop him. And then, look, Fred's going to hit threes. But to this point in his career, he hasn't really been phenomenal at driving and finishing at the rim. I don't know if we can expect him to just take that jump. At this point, he might be who he is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gary Trent, great shooter again. Similar, we're not really going to expect him to three dribbles finish at the rim. OG ananobi has been up and down a little over his career. Last year was the worst season of his career in terms of a couple dribbles finish at the rim. I think he can be a lot better than he was last year but you can't expect him to take a jump into being that like super high level guy. Mm -hmm. Scotty Barnes was pretty good, but really low volume. Thaddeus Young, pretty good, really low volume. I mean, it's just a ton of question marks. Mm -hmm. And so either everyone takes a jump at the same time, or Nick Nurse is going to be disappointed.
3: For sure. And so you laid out all the reasons to maybe be dubious, but you did begin that by saying that you think they can in fact be a rim and free throw team or at least improve in that department so what gives you the optimism is there a particular guy who kind of stands out i feel like scotty's the easy answer just because like he did do it pretty well last year even if it was a lower volume he finished at the rim like 71 percent at the rim like he was pretty that's not like top of the league or anything like that but it's not far off um you know what Gives you optimism and maybe it's just Scotty Barnes is on the team. So that's that's the answer.
2: (laughs) No, Scotty is kind of the answer. If you just shift touches to Scotty, Pascal gets to attack gaps. Like last year, dude attacked a crowd every time he touched the ball. That was outrageous. It was crazy how little work they did to get him easy shots. And he just made gold out of all of the garbage they gave him. Mm -hmm. And you gotta hope if they just shift a little bit of the work to Scotty. Pascal can just have easier touches. And all of those drives he turned into passes, now he turns into shots. And that's just mm-hmm. fantastic.
3: And uh, that'll also be, sorry, go ahead. Yeah.
2: No, no, I, and I, and I think so. Like Scotty was low, like, I don't know, four drives or something, three drives a game. Mm-hmm. You could double or even triple that. And that sure. really changes the texture of what an offense could look like. Now, it's not going to make them, Good. I don't think they're going to be above average. They were bottom five last year at at rim pressure. I don't Mm -hmm. think they're going to be like top 10, but they could be, you know, bottom 10 rather than bottom five. They could definitely shift it up.
3: Yeah, and I think if you do that and couple it with, you know, the persistence in hitting the offensive glass and running, hopefully more effectively, like, you know, convert a little bit more, even though they just kind of ran up the, the volume last year with transition while kind of kicking it out of bounds half the time. And Gary Trent Jr. doing his molasses game or whatever, not quite working out so well. Like, if they can kind of massage a little more efficiency out of their running game and uptick that half-court offense up to like you know something bordering on respectability not flirting with last in the league for long stretches of the season like that would be bloody swell um i also think you know the three-point shooting obviously plays in here as well just the geometry of the floor and you know I, i kind of am a little optimistic about what the shooting situation could look like for the team this year last year we kind of know it was three guys who did all of the shooting more or less. I think he wrote about this in the piece that you put out of Raptors Republic very recently, um, which was quite good. Go read Lewis's stuff. He's the best. But the, you know, it was OG. It was Fred. It was Gary Trent Jr. This year, you're going to have Otto Porter Jr. Presumably, I would hope that part of the getting the ball out of Pascal's hands to kind of give it to Scotty. Allows Pascal to stand in the corner, be that efficient three point shooter from the corners that he's been. Uh, maybe you work a little pick and pop action in there. And then, like, I, I don't know, I guess your belief might vary as to how real Thad Young's catch and shoot game was last year or how much you expect a bit of a bounce back from Chris Boucher after just completely falling off a cliff last year from outside. And then, obviously, the precious to chew of it all kind of hangs over this, too. If precious to chew is the shooter he was after the All Star break, all of a sudden you're looking around and it's like, they can build plenty of lineups with three or four very good shooters and you're totally fine. Um, what's your level of optimism that the shooting is going to improve enough to allow the half-court offense to not look so much like gears and a clock getting all jammed up every single time down yeah. the floor? <laughs>
2: it's funny, you know, uh, as much as I love to do deep dives, uh, so much comes down to shooting. And it's mm-hmm. it's kind of simplistic to say, but it really is like, shooting there's a reason shooting matters so much and yep. it's not the deeper you go the more you realize yeah shooting is kind of the fool's answer but it's the correct answer <laughs> at the same time and so a lot of it is just pascal being the best primary and the best secondary on the team and it's mm-hmm. impossible to be both
3: mm-hmm.
2: they had the same issue in 2020 20 to 21 in tampa by the way where yeah. ogian and Obi was the best zone breaker from the middle of the floor And OG Ananobi was the best zone breaker from the three-point arc. And he couldn't (laughs) be in both places at the same time. And that actually was a huge issue for them. Mm -hmm. And so right now, Pascal is just so dominant with the ball in his hands. And no one else is, that you kind of can't take it out. But -hmm. what that means is he's not a great pull-up shooter. And even though he's a pretty solid catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, you just can't get him catch-and-shoot shots because the ball's in his hands all the time. Mm -hmm. And so... Part of unplugging the offense is just, can anyone else do something with the ball? And I mean this as a compliment to Pascal, not an insult. I <laughs> yeah. want to be clear. And so, yes, Scotty would help, obviously, if he just takes over. Another is healthy Fred. Like, yeah. it was, uh, what, one week where Fred and Pascal were healthy together last year. And I think OG was hurt during that week. We yeah, actually never saw <laughs> the healthy stars all together yeah and fred at his healthiest is actually quite a good pick and roll player Mm -hmm. but as soon as he loses any amount of that burst and his knee injury took a lot away he really his gang his game hangs on the precipice of a knife yeah where sway but a little and the quest shall fall (laughs) (laughs) and injury is actually been a major issue for him over his entire career uh, he's been hurt almost consistently, his knees, his ankles, his, his shoulder. He just throws himself around with such reckless abandon. And if he can handle a lot more of that, of that role, not, you know, struggling through it, but actually dominating like he was in the first half of the season, that will also open the spacing up a lot because that gets Pascal off ball that lets Scotty stand in the corner where it looks like maybe he could be a good shooter this year. You know, people are saying he's shooting well at camp. He was shooting well at Rico is, you know, maybe who knows. Um, And so I think Fred's health could be the biggest thing as well.
3: Yeah, for sure. Like, Fred's not going to help you in the finishing at the rim situation. That's just never been his bag, obviously. You know, he's like—I think our pal Joe Wolfon put it this way. He's like the best bad finisher there is or the worst good finisher. Like, it, it's what it's probably best bad finisher because he's got lots of English that he'll throw up there to kind of overcompensate for, you know, just the, the lack of size and ability to score among the trees. But what he does do really well—and this was a thing, particularly during the Tampa season, if I recall— where he was just like a machine for getting paint touches and then kicking out for open threes. It just happened to be the open threes were Stanley Johnson and not anyone that you want taking open threes. And so it just does feel like there's just... Gonna be a bit more of a healthy environment for the team this year, and like even if they have to dig deep into the bench and pull up a Malachi Flynn for a little extra shooting burst, like maybe that's a thing. We all keep on sort of hanging on this. Maybe Malachi Flynn's gonna happen. And maybe it's like trying to make fetch happen. It's just not gonna happen, but it's there. Um, you know, <laughs> Juancho Hernan Gomez seems like he's got a little bit uh, of a stroke to him as well. You know, it's kind hey, of what, an on and seven off threes, of his eight
2: threes in the in the Spain finals.
3: Hell yeah, it's uh, it's just everyone. Shooting threes in the summer, just uh, hope, op- just just bubbling up through all of the different crevices of the earth, in Toronto. Um, we're going to continue on here. I want to kind of get into the schematics of the Raptors' offense as well, because as we know they don't like to run a lot of pick and roll they are uh, kind of dinosaurs literally in the way they play offense at times where it's like isolations that sounds fun let's go do that because our guys are tall that, that that's the way to do it right uh we'll get into the way the raptors actually decide to play in the half court and whether there might be some changes to be seen there or if they can kind of make this antithetical offense work we'll get to that in just one second but first i want to tell you about our friends over at BetOnline.net, your number one source for all of your football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, injury reports, and in-depth articles and analysis on every single game before you put your money down and as always bet online remains a continued source for all your sports wagering information you get live betting you get up to the minute scores everything is there you also have futures bets you can put down why not the raptors are coming into the season go check out bet online read their lines maybe you want to put some money down on the raptors hitting the over or hitting the under if you want to do that too it's all there and bet online is going to help you be the informed wager so you're not just throwing money away on bets that are never going to cash headed to betonline.net right now or you can use your mobile device as well to learn more about the trends and the action bet online is where the game starts And we continue on here with your first listen of the day with Lewis Atzman of Raptors Republic. Let's uh, continue diving in here to the Raptors offense. By the way, I forgot to mention this at the top of the show. uh, We're going to give out the prize uh for the best insult levied at me on from tuesday's episode where i asked people to just comment with the most scathing insults regarding my posture and horrible upper body uh, and like my weird shoulders and all this stuff uh we're gonna run through them as though we're on jimmy kimmel's show very shortly uh that'll be fun and i'm going to give away a copy of cover story a lovely book by our pal alex wong my co-author on we the champs so if you want cover story uh hope you already put a good you can nothing you can do about it now it's already the the die (laughs) has been cast but uh you might be winning this later on in the show so just keep an eye out for that at the back part uh all right schematics of the raptors offense they don't run pick and roll lots of dribble handoff stuff lots of isolations lots of hunting the mismatch because there's lots of mismatches to be hunted when everyone on the floor is six eight or six nine and has a little bit of on the ball juice um what's your overall sort of Feeling on the way they played offense last year? Did you like it? Did you find it was kind of intriguing that where they were kind of going counter to what the rest of the league typically does? Was it sort of, uh, were you respecting of it because it was a way to kind of get around the lack of shooting and traditional pick and roll type players where yeah you might have a couple of ball handlers but not really anyone who's a typical you know screen and dive big man or anything like that um overall thoughts on the way they played offense last year it also maybe it totally drove you insane feel free to say that here too it's a safe space
2: honestly i I don't mind the clunk um mm-hmm. a- aesthetically good. <laughs> there's offense. the name of
3: the podcast if we were doing the whole <laughs> pick the name of a title uh, pick a name of a quote to be the title i, I don't mind the clunk
2: <laughs> yeah aesthetically good offense uh, sure is awesome, but sometimes watching a couple bruisers just get some bruises that can be fun too, you know. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so look, Nick Nurse has been a read and react offensive coach um, since at least as long as I can remember,
3: right? Um, he was letting at- Danny Green dribble in 2018, 19. Remember this? Yeah. <laughs>
2: well, even but, like down in the G League, I'm sure yeah. in the BBL, he ran. Re- he is a read and react offensive guy. What mm-hmm. that means is. Kyle Lowry and Marcus All are going to feast. Mm-hmm. That's why Thad Young looked so good when he got here. All of yep. those funky bounce passes. He sees gaps in that in the read and react. He reads and reacts in ways that a lot of NBA guys can't. They don't see mm-hmm. as quickly. They don't react. They don't. Uh, they aren't able to fit the ball into those holes. Uh, Ken Burch for all of his um, uh, abilities, which I actually I'm a I'm a Birch fan. I think. Knee injuries have sapped him of a lot of his NBA career, but I think he mm-hmm. would have been a very, very in, uh, impressive player had that not happened. Mm. But for all of that, not the great system for him, right? Sure. That's not really the type of player he is. And we saw a lot of guys struggle with it. Precious Achiuwa initially had no idea what reads to make when he got the ball in the beginning of the season. He'd look for a handoff that wasn't there, take two dribbles. Oh, the shot clock's there. I'm going to take a mid-range fadeaway. And he it was air- mostly like, just react
3: it, with him. Yeah,
2: it was bad. It was really bad, and he, yeah. and he didn't see it. And Fred and Pascal, you saw them be quite frustrated with the younger guys uh, in Tampa and in the beginning of, of 21 twenty one twenty two, because the system just wasn't there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What they ended up at was a little bit of a uh, a compromise that kind of was Pascal save us on half of every possession. Mm-hmm. Um, Scotty became pretty good at the read and react stuff. People kind of snuffed it out towards the end of the year. His like his keeper play where he faked the handoff and took one dribble and bang, just yeah. punched on people. They mm-hmm. sniffed that out eventually because if your best offensive play is a keeper play, just okay, he's not going to make the handoff. I know that. That's in this category. Um and so, you know, simple things like that are not the way to make it work. You need complex, like, genius-level players to make it work. Mm -hmm. And they just couldn't field a rotation like that. You know, Thad is at that level. Pascal's at that level. Fred's at that level. That's all they got right now. Uh, OG uh, could be, has shown to be at that level at times. Mm -hmm. Often his feet will fail him, but when they don't, oh, man, he actually thinks the game at a really high level as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And I just, I do think that a lot of the clunk, was not scheme-related, but was uh, personnel-based. Uh, that being said, uh, a good coach changes the scheme based on the guys he has. Sure. Uh, Malachi Flynn's a pick-and-roll point guard, and they just haven't given him the opportunity to do that. Uh, I think Yuta Watanabe is going to thrive in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Maybe Toronto wasn't the best system for him. So, uh, you know, there can be some quibbles about what Nurse ran on the offensive end. But ultimately, I do wonder, because they had very few players who could draw free throws, mm-hmm. very few players who attacked the rim. And as we already said, three shooters monopolized the three-point shooting to a larger extent than any other team in the league. Mm-hmm. No other team had three shooters uh, taking as high a percentage of the team's total shots. And with those you know, um, caveats, maybe the offense was better than you'd expect, given how ugly You know the demerits were to the team Mm -hmm. and so i've been sort of ranting for a while about this uh because you know you hear a lot of people like well maybe they can run some flex because they have gleason right or maybe they can run just like 100 pick and rolls like the atlanta hawks sure i don't know if that would serve the raptors better
3: uh i'm sure they've considered it that's really all i i have to contribute i mean You mentioned Malachi Flynn, for example, and I always feel bad because I always kind of pile up on Malachi Flynn. But, like, yes, I agree. A good coach alters the system to the personnel. I also don't think a good coach alters the the system to, like, the 11th or 12th best player on the team. Like, And the best guys on the team are a little bit more in terms of like, yeah, why not just kind of run mismatches? Scotty Barnes is really good at hunting dudes out and sort of using the decision point at those handoffs to kind of figure out a way to, you know, carve out an advantage. OG was pretty solid posting up and, or, you know, I I actually don't think the numbers are very good there, but... uh, (laughs) No, no, they were very good. That's Um, right, they were good. They weren't good for him in isolation. Very, very bad in isolation, yes.
2: The NBA advanced stats numbers were quite poor in the post Hmm. because that's just a shot or a turnover. He sure. actually was the best passer out of the post for the Raptors. So the second yes. spectrum numbers uh, were fantastic for him out of the post. Sorry. Right.
3: No, no, that's great. That's, uh, yeah. I, he, you know, so yeah, to my point, like, I, I just, I think what they ran last year might have been the offense that was the best to run with the guys they had. And maybe that's not what you want to hear because it wasn't terribly pretty. But also there's beauty to be found in the ugliness if you really look again Embrace Except the, the clunk. clunk, baby. Embrace, embrace <laughs> the clunk. Um, Are there any changes like with this season? So if we just kind of bake in, you know, Otto Porter's on the team now. Thad Young is around and is more sort of indoctrinated into the system. You get more Scotty Barnes. You hopefully have a healthy Fred. Um, Obviously, Trent's still there. You know, if you hope your high outcome expectation for Precious Achua is what we saw between the All-Star break and the end of last season. Like, if that's the collection of guys they have, if you're Nick Nurse, is there anything you would change to what happened last year to suit the personnel that you figured to have on hand this year?
2: Very good question. So, I I think I thought so too. (laughs) Otto Porter, my man, I heard you prepare for this podcast by literally just having to remind yourself what day of the week it was. You're like, um, Thursday, let's go. (laughs) So, look, let's get, let's give these questions some love when when we can but uh okay so so auto porter uh underrated as a cutter uh, and obviously a good shooter as well very efficient Mm -hmm. and heady cutter and i think they can have a foursome going here with that young slinging passes to cutters chris boucher diving in from the corners really good cutter Otto Mm -hmm. porter from above the break great cutter as i said and of course scotty barnes also a great cutter and a great passer to cutters those four are going to get some of that burring motion back with um you know uh what do they say point point three right you have point three seconds to to mm-hmm. uh no it's one second i forget what the number is but you're supposed to take as little time as possible to decide to drive shoot or pass those yeah. four are going to have that down you have to ask yourself who the right player is to pair alongside that because sure. really it's kyle lowry from like 2016 you know, it's always Fred Kyle Vliet, Lowry,
3: man. It's always Kyle guy, Lowry. The
2: guy's a star. <laughs> People are gonna look back on his run with the Raptors and be like, oh, that's one of that's you know one of the best 20 players of his generation. Ten play, you know, like
3: You cannot so, tell the story of 2010's NBA basketball without yeah. Kyle Lowry. That is totally. full stop. You cannot. And so Fred Van Vliet um, isn't
2: quite that. He doesn't have the the worrying quickness to his game that Kyle had. Mm-hmm. He's still working on it. He's still, you know, he's quite young. Kyle didn't become Kyle until he was about Fred's age. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you would hope that Fred get gets uh, a little bit more of that playing alongside those guys, gives up the ball, cuts a little more. Because as a cutter, he, he you know, could spread his wings a little bit. Behind the arc, he's good. You know, inside the arc, he could add. Uh, maybe Pascal's the guy and and they just use him as a, As an off-ball guy with that group, I don't know. But they need to find ways to weaponize that group, that foursome. Because they haven't really had a chance to make the read and react work. And if anyone will, it's going to be them.
3: Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think give this year a little bit more runway to see if they can make the ugliness of last year a little prettier just by sort of massaging out the rougher edges and if it doesn't work and you're sitting there looking at the 23rd best half-court offense again or something like that then maybe you reevaluate how you operate and maybe you reevaluate the personnel and how you're going to play and are you going to find a legitimate center or are you going to keep on going with this sort of hey we'll figure it out and make it work how it works um you know i like the idea of them trying to and a lot of this hinges i think on Like, does Precious Achua learn how to set a screen? Um, But, like, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more pick-and-roll woven in. Not—I don't think they should sell out and make that their their entire thing. But with the shooting they figure to have on hand in some lineups, like, the idea of, like, Scotty running a pick-and-roll with Precious, with Fred, Trent, OG, or Porter kind of just dotted around, like— it's boring in traditional spread pick-and-roll basketball, but we haven't seen that stuff in these parts for ages. So I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit of that woven in, but ultimately I'm fine with the sort of the churn machine, sort of like a a, a longer sort of uglier version of like the Utah jazz washing machine thing they used to do. Although that was a lot more pick-and-roll heavy, of course, because it was Donovan Mitchell yeah. and Rudy Gobert. But, you know, this is more of sort of like a handoff cutty version of that. I, I don't mind... Them using that machine to kind of get them to something respectable on offense. And I think they also have the one on one scores in Scotty and Pascal, and in some ways, Fred, too, like against certain matchups where. They can also kind of hang on a little bit of isolation pop to kind of boost up their numbers a little bit, too. Obviously, ISOs are never yep. the most efficient play in the world, but they have guys that they seem pretty comfortable throwing into those spots. And uh, you would have to think that those isolations for Scotty and Pascal will only get easier with a little bit more of a sort of conducive offensive environment around them as well. Um We're going to continue on here, and I want to, A, hand out the cover story copy for Alex Wong for the best insult thrown at me on Tuesday's episode, and Lewis is going to help me decide. We're also going to do the thing that I'm doing with all of my guests leading into the season here. And I'm going to ask Lewis for his hottest, most maybe not hottest, but just his strongest and most firm Toronto Raptors belief going into the season. We'll get to that in just one second. But first, reminder that you can go and check out Locked in NBA every single day on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube. Varying cast of hosts across the, the week filling in on all that's going on. Media day reactions, uh, trade stuff, whenever that pops up. And then, of course, every single game brought, broken down each and every night throughout the regular season. So go subscribe to Locked in NBA before the preseason games start this weekend.
0: All right, Lewis, let's uh,
3: round this out. Uh, Lots of great offense talk here, but we're going to pivot. Maybe, maybe you have an offensive belief that is very strong. Uh, I have started this thing where I'm going to bring guests on between now and the start of the season. Whenever I have a guest on, I'm just going to ask you, give me a thing that you really believe about this year's Raptors team. Could be good, could be bad, could be something in between. Uh, It could be fully formed as an opinion, could be something you come up with right now. But what is a very strong and stern Raptors opinion you hold going into this? season if it's contrary to the consensus that's even better baby (laughs) okay a
2: contrary to the consensus opinion oh geez uh okay uh I think there are uh a number of roads where OGN and OB has a significantly more impactful season for the Raptors
3: than Scotty Barnes okay not the uh not the one I was expecting but give me give me your explanation on that Okay. I love Scotty.
2: Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Big Scotty fan.
3: Uh,
2: OG Ananobi is such an unbelievable player that everyone in Toronto seems to have forgotten about. Same as right? Pascal, by the way, <laughs> coming into yeah. last season, everyone forgot how good Pascal was. Uh, and then he turned out to be way better than everyone, you know, even the, the optimists like myself remembered. Uh, and so I think Ananobi in a similar place. People may have forgotten about his value to the team. Mm-hmm. But at his at his most baseline level, the dude is one of the best floor spacers in the league, you know, ca- just catch-and-shoot shooters. Mm-hmm. One of the best defenders in the league. One of the best turnover creators. One of the best finishers at the rim. He is the Toronto's best play finisher. Like, mm-hmm. just statistically, in terms of, you know... If if you're designing a play, someone has to shoot at the end of a possession, it's OG that is statistically the, the most efficient. Mm-hmm. And I think for all of the um, the the downsides he had last year in isolation and, and driving, I think that was kind of an aberration uh, because it wasn't nearly that bad ever before.
3: Yeah. He was also uh, asked think- to do it largely when there was no Pascal and they were figuring out a new starting lineup with no center yep. and Svi Majluk playing minutes, <laughs> like it's it, right. not exactly an easy set of circumstances to go be the guy, right?
2: And when playing with Precious, when he wasn't um, a helpful player, yeah, at that point, <laughs> that's putting it generously. <laughs> I think OG, and we saw in the playoffs, by the way, they had a whole quarter where they were like, "OG, save us," and he did. He hit you mm-hmm. know isolation step backs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, OG, I think is almost guaranteed to be toronto's third best player and you know i'm talking Ooh. myself into this now right Ooh. i think fred and that's pascal the money are the clip stars. baby that's
3: the money yeah, clip. there we go there <laughs> we go
2: fred and pascal are the stars and scotty is very useful like he's going to yeah. do a ton but he still doesn't play defense anywhere in remotely like og sure and until he is a very good three-point shooter you still have to decide design lineups with that weak, weakness in mind when you play sure. him. Whereas OG, you, he's just plug and play. Anyone, he, he goes out there, he makes him better. And I just yeah. think there's uh, more uh, comprehensive value to what OG offers right now.
3: I like that. It's like, hey, man, basketball player versus Hooper, baby. Uh, he's yeah. like the the most basketball fun player. basketball player there is. He right. does all of the things that teams desperately need to win basketball games, and yet it's still like, why doesn't he score more buckets? It's uh, <laughs> it's, it's stupid. He's great, and I think that, I love that take. I he I, might have convinced me almost. I I don't know. I'm pretty bullish on Scotty though, and I think him and the him with the ball in his hands is going to be pretty special. And I'm also pretty optimistic about Scotty's defense um like you know we all know about the versatility numbers last year he was extremely good uh sort of guarding everybody you know didn't do it wonderfully across the board at all times but the fact that he was able to be up to the mantle for those tasks was pretty incredible and it seems like his reputation among players and like around the league is already such that like he's he can't be doing everything wrong if other opposing players are like that guy's very good at defense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there, there's gotta oh, yeah. be something that we're not seeing there that he's doing. Oh no, no, well. I, yeah. he is
2: good. But OG yeah. is like way. No, OG is a monster. He's
3: a total yeah. like fire-breathing dragon. Ask Trey yeah, Young yeah, how yeah. good OG is at defense. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I guess, man, that's a good take. I'm gonna be thinking about that one for a little while now. Um We're going to wrap up the show now, and we're going to make me cry. Are you ready? (laughs) Ah, Let's do it. So a refresher of what happened on Tuesday's episode of the podcast. I was feeling weird going in my shoulders were sore my back was slouchy i'm in a weird state where i haven't working out very much and my whole body hurts and i thought what better way to have some community engagement with the listeners than to have them make fun of me mercilessly in the youtube comments i've asked people or asked people that day to drop in their comments uh breaking down uh how bad i look when i sit and the people they delivered, baby. So we're going to run through some of these insults. And, Lewis, you are going to determine which is the best one who will, again, receive a copy of Cover Story by our pal Alex Wong. Are you ready, Lewis? Did you know Alex hates dogs? Sorry. This is a non <laughs> Please continue with your bit. I did not know Alex hates dogs, but we'll have him on the podcast soon to talk about that. Uh, all right. Let's get in here. This first one is uh from A Fave asking uh, saying my man Sean got that Igor flip the switch back. I don't know what that means, but uh that's that I don't, that one didn't hurt me cuz I it, it went over my head. Uh is that like this a Phoenix one, Suns like I don't know, keep going. Maybe. This is from Levi Hillebrand saying Sean six like he's Chris Boucher gassed on the bench. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> we got this one Jonathan Smith says Sean's upper body has less definition than a Chuck Hayes free throw. <laughs> oh my God. Is that your leader in the clubhouse right now? I'm writing that one down. That's unbelievable. Wow. Perfect. All right. Duncan Simpson says, I have the posture of Hans Moleman, which as uh, a Simpsons lover, I appreciate. Um, but I'm still going with the Chuck Hayes one as my favorite as well. This one comes from Six Canada TV saying, Sean's posture is like a sloth sitting on a tree. He also reminds me of Harry Potter, the off-brand version. Nothing to do with my posture, just what I look like. <laughs> off-brand Harry Potter? Rah. Uh This one comes from You Know the Vibes, uh, saying, Sean's upper body looks like he's the middle transition image of an Anamorph's book cover. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Does that beat Chuck Pretty Hayes
2: good. for you? Oh, jeez. Uh, the middle transition of an Animorphs book cover. Uh, probably not. I think Chuck Hayes, but that's a strong number two.
3: Okay, cool. Uh, next one. Uh, this one's just good wordplay. Uh, Steve Bonomo says, I don't personally know what's giving you bad posture, but I bet you have a hunch. It's okay, I never thought personally, personal training would fix my posture, but I stand corrected. So he's just offering nice advice. Uh, by the way, more people sent me advice for how they fix their bad posture than sent me insults, which I appreciate very much. It's an, You've it's a a, kind. It's an epidemic, yeah.
2: <laughs> you have a kind listenership. That man's at least 55
3: plus, right? Uh, surely, I mean, With all I'm, I'm not even 30 yet, and I feel this way. So, I, I everyone feels this way. You maybe. you feel yeah. in a pun making way. Oh, I mean, I mean, yeah. I guess no. The, the, you're right. The punning from the photo doesn't totally look like 55 plus. I just appreciate the maybe a dad of some kind. Either way, it's appreciated though the, the wordplay. I know. Fun, um, man. someone, our our pal Jay also sent me a DM saying. Uh, something along the lines of you're not quasi-modo, you're full moto with that posture or something like that. (laughs) It's a
1: pretty pretty good good. one.
3: Uh, This one comes from Digger Ocean saying, Sean slouches in his chair like grandpa asleep in his armchair after he starts watching the latest ESPN basketball news on the Lakers. A little wordy, but I appreciate it. Um, This one comes... (laughs) Uh... I, I, I can't this one's got too much wordplay for me to properly read on the podcast without butchering so I'm sorry you're not going to win this one villain quit trying the rogue uh, <laughs> this one. Uh, oh, this last one this is the final one here from Sean James saying fix your posture Sean or you didn't get as many back surgeries as Michael Porter jr. Uh, that's <laughs> grim uh, so does the Chuck Hayes one win I think so I think, I think we have a
2: clear winner
3: we have a clear winner, Jonathan Smith. Sean's upper buddy has less definition than a Chuck Hayes free throw. You are the winner. I'll get in touch with you somehow. Uh, if you are seeing this and want to shoot me a DM on Twitter, you can do that as well to sort of cut out the middleman. But we'll get in touch, Jonathan. You've won a copy of Cover Story. Lewis, you have won the hearts of the listeners of the podcast, as you usually do. Where can people check out your wonderful work?
2: Uh, yeah, so Rep Republic, of course. Uh, I'll be writing there this year. I um, have a piece coming out. Probably within the next few weeks at 5:38. Um, I write at the All Star and probably a couple other places coming up this year, uh, but that's TBD. So not sure yet. Uh, lots of good writing. Hopefully, let's you know we dream.
3: You're like Pascal Siakam's personal copywriter. Is that what you're saying? You write at the All Star. the Uh, all-star yeah okay you
2: are punny you do you are in the mood to make
3: puns it's true it's very bad though it wasn't as good as uh our our pal uh steve we're gonna wrap it there fred was the all-star not pascal get out of here you're right i it's just in my brain pascal should have been an all-star all the way through Maybe. yeah Yeah. he's been an all-star so my pun, yeah. while not topical, was technically correct. Either way, we're going to wrap it there before I embarrass myself any further. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks, Lewis, for popping by. I'm sure we'll talk to you again very soon here at some point. Lewis, uh, and go read his jazz blogs over at at Lewis jazz Man on Twitter, apparently as well we'll be back again tomorrow Karina Mustafa is going to stop by we're going to play around a what's more likely one of my favorite games to play in the podcast that'll be a good time and uh, in the meantime go make your second listen of the day locked on Blue Jays as the Blue Jays have clinched a playoff spot baby very unceremoniously (laughs) with an off day and a loss by the Orioles but still Ben and Matt over there will have it all broken down for you as the playoffs draw very very near and we'll round it there we'll talk to you again on Friday with another episode of on Raptors bye bye